this is Jim. And Jeremy. And we are back. This is part two of our holiday Christmas podcast. You know, I don't think we introduced ourselves in part one. No, the uh, Christmas <laughs> gremlin. Uh-huh. Uh, his name's Jasper, by the way. Yeah, he brought us in. He brought us in. Yeah, he only comes around once a year. Mm. Jeremy thought he was a gremlin. I did. Yeah. We're going to start off with two more beers. Yes. And this is from the uh, Cookie Tin O'Fallon Brewery in Missouri. Missouri. Yes. We're two for two so far. So we got oatmeal cookie. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oatmeal cookie beer. I'm going to open this up here. I don't know how that... That doesn't sound as good as the first two did. I'm not going to lie. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully there's not one uh, called coal. No, that won't be a cookie. Ooh, nice and dark. Santa's burnt cookies. (laughs) So this, I think, is a stout. So look for this at your local beer store. O'Fallon Cookie Tin. There's um, four different kinds of beers, and it's a 12-pack, so you get three of each. That's not bad. That's good. Better than I anticipated, that's for sure. (laughs) I think there's a little oatmeal floating around in there. Oh, thank you. Or yeast, you know, something. (laughs) <laughs> so in part one, I forgot to mention some new Christmas songs Ooh. that I found. Uh, first one I want to talk about is an artist by the name of Chris Canterbury, who we hope to interview soon. Uh, he's a country singer, and he did a song called Christmas in Prison, Ooh. and it's a John Prine song. Really good version of that song, Chris Canterbury. Uh, let's see what else I got here. I got my other list, if I can find it. Then there's a guy by the name of T-Bear, the letter T, Bear, B-E-A-R, of course, and uh, Christmas on the Row, a guy we interviewed, um, Lawrence Jubur. He plays guitar on that song. Uh, he does a little uh, Night Before Christmas in the beginning, you know, that poem. Mm-hmm. David Foster and Catherine McPhee. You know, they are married. Uh, Catherine McPhee was from American Idol? Yeah, American Idol. David Foster, uh, well-known songwriter. Mm -hmm. This is called My Grown-Up Christmas List, which he wrote. Other people have done that song. Is Uh, it pay bills, pay bills, put gas in my car, Yeah, pay more bills? That's how it goes. (laughs) Uh, Harry Connick Jr. has a new one out. Uh, And I think he does songs that were on his other Christmas album, too. But this is a new one, Papa Noel. Hmm. And it's uh, kind of got that New Orleans sound. He talks about New Orleans and the bayou on that song. That's a pretty uh, upbeat song, Papa Noel. There's a... Uh Uh-oh. Can't play that. (laughs) (laughs) There's a movie that just came out called Spirited with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. They have a song called That Christmas Morning Feeling. Uh, So it's Will Ferrell... Tracy Morgan's supposed to be on this song, too, but I didn't really hear him. Hmm. Phoebe Bridgers has an EP, Christmas EP. Now, she took this song. It's a Merle Haggard. (laughs) I play this for Jeremy. Yep. If we make it through December. And she can take anything and just make it sadder. (laughs) So the Merle Haggard song, it's still a sad song lyrically, but she just took it to a new level. I don't know. I feel like I want to cry when I listen to it. Actually, anything she sings, I don't know why. Her voice is just... Yeah. She's very moody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a girl I've liked for a while, Lindsay Sterling. She's a violinist. Uh, Crazy for Christmas. 
I think she has, uh, I think she has a Christmas album out. Let's see here. Yeah, Snow Waltz came out this year. So she's got some traditional Feliz Navidad, Joy to the World, um, Joy to Little the Drummer world. Boy, but it's mostly all instrumental. And she's really good violinist. Check her out though. Uh, go on Instagram. Her videos are, she's pretty funny. She dances around and. Even I think when she performs on stage, she's like choreographed with other women dancing around, playing the violin. She's very, uh, very active <laughs> on stage. Alicia Keys, uh, You Don't Have to Be Alone. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. So this is a song about someone who is going to be alone for Christmas and is singing to, I guess, a guy who's also, she thinks is going to be alone. You know, maybe they can get together for Christmas. So you don't have to be alone. Her album, Santa Baby. That's what it's called. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Joss Stone, who I've liked a long time. And she has a Christmas album called Merry Christmas, Love. So those are some new Christmas songs to check out. And uh, It can't be worse than Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. No. Well, it could be. It could be. You're right. I don't know. But you won't have heard it 15 million times. At least Bon Jovi didn't come out with a Christmas album. <laughs> you know, I don't know what that would sound like. You are like the number one Bon Jovi <laughs> hater. <laughs> well, you know, I try not to think about Bon Jovi, but we were watching. I usually don't watch The Voice, but it happened to be on last night. Mm-hmm. And the guy out of the blue says, I guess, before or after he sang a song, he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Let's go back. It was on Hell's Kitchen. Ah. The one chef or the one guy competing says, like Bon Jovi says, I'm living on a prayer. Mm. So That drove you nuts. I got to uh, yeah. I got to see the finale of The Masked Singer last night. Yeah, I stopped watching that. I forgot who won, though. <laughs> <laughs> you fall asleep? No. I was watching. I just don't remember. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about a movie that we both love Mm -hmm. called The Nightmare Before Christmas. Perhaps you've heard of it. And we are coming up, believe it or not, on the 30th anniversary Mm -hmm. next year. Hard to believe. So we thought we'd get a jump on it. Maybe they'll come out with a new DVD. Probably. Extended. (laughs) This has to be, I say, one of my favorite holiday movies. And I think it's got to be the only movie that covers halloween and christmas both at once i can't think of anything else no when this came out i was just amazed by this film because of how it was made it's uh uses stop motion animation Mm -hmm. and if you don't know what that is it's each minuscule movement of each character has to be filmed separately and by hand so if you haven't seen the movie um 
Here's the uh, premise. Halloween Town is fantasy world populated by various monsters and beings associated with the holiday. So the main character is Jack Skellington. Mm -hmm. He's respected by the citizens as the Pumpkin King, and he leads them in organizing the annual Halloween celebrations. However, this year Jack has grown tired of the same annual routine and wants something new. And he wanders into the woods... And I thought this is cool. There's trees with, uh, that have doors on them mm-hmm. for each holiday. We have, what do we have? We have Easter. We have Valentine's Day. Of course, Christmas. Fourth of July, I think. Yep. So he stumbles into one leading into Christmas Town. Now, my question is, is this a Halloween movie or is this a Christmas movie? <laughs> and I want to believe it's a Christmas movie. Uh-huh. But it's both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there was an interview with um, Danny Elfman, who, of course, has done a lot of music for Tim, Tim Burton. Of course, it's a Tim Burton film. He also voiced Jack Skellington, the singing parts. Yeah, and Danny Elfman sings the Jack Skellington yes. parts where, uh, what's his name, Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon does the rest of it. Yeah, he does the voice, the uh, talking part of Jack Skellington. Mm-hmm. The movie is 76 minutes long, but he goes into the door with the Christmas tree only after 13 minutes into the film. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of Halloween except the characters. You right. know, they don't change. Right. So I want to know, this came out in 93. Mm-hmm. How old were you? Jeff? Six. When did, when did you first see this movie? I actually saw it in the movie theater. You did? Yes. Now, I don't know that I remembered or retained a lot of it at that Mm -hmm. age. I did get the VHS tape for Christmas either probably the next year, Mm -hmm. because at that time, movies took a little bit longer to get from theater to uh, VHS release. But I did get it for Christmas as well shortly after. Um, So it's a movie I'd seen many times as a kid. I don't know when when DVDs came out. I have the DVD. Late 90s, I would think. So I can't remember if I bought the VHS. I have the, I think I bought the DVD that I have here when it came out. Well, not that I want to talk too much about this, but interesting thing about the old Disney VHSs. Mm-hmm. I don't remember this with any others, but they had that clampshell case. Yeah. So it was always was, like a. That's what I was thinking of when you said that. Yes. So I'm thinking I might have had it in the clamshell. I'm not sure, but this DVD has the one I have has um like the the making of. Mm-hmm. And what I like is that it's not like a three-hour documentary. It's very short. It's probably under an hour, the mm-hmm. documentary. What I, I don't think what I knew was that Tim Burton really didn't have any hands-on with this movie. He wasn't there most of the time. I didn't know that either. Yeah. He was working on, uh, I think he was working on a Batman movie at the time. So that would probably be Batman, for, no, that was later, Returns, maybe? I want to say Batman Forever was like 96, 95, 96. Yeah. So I think there was one before that. I'm just going off memory, so okay. I don't know. <laughs> the characters in the movie, uh, we got, we, like we said, Chris Sarandon as Jack. We've got Catherine O'Hara as Sally. And uh, she was also in Beetlejuice. And she was in Shit's Creek. We got Glenn Shaddix. He's the mayor of Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. We got William Hickey as Dr. Finkelstein, uh, Ken Page as Oogie Boogie, mm-hmm. Paul Rubens as Locke, who is Pee Wee Herman, and Frank Welker as Zero the Dog, and Ed Ivory as Santa Claus. 
Now, the film originated as a poem that Tim Burton wrote in 1982 while he was working as an animator at Walt Disney Productions. And he had a film uh, in the same year called Vincent, which was stop animation. With that success of Vincent, uh, he began considering developing The Nightmare Before Christmas as either a short film or a half-hour television special uh, to no avail. But over the years, his thoughts regularly returned to the project. And in 1990, he made a development deal with Walt Disney Studios. And production started in 1991. Tim Burton, he uh, grew up in Burbank. And he associated with feelings of solitude. And he was largely largely fascinated by the holidays during his childhood. He said anytime there was a was Christmas or Halloween, it was great. It gave you some sort of texture all of a sudden that wasn't there before. So again, in 82, after Vincent, he wrote a three-page poem titled The Nightmare Before Christmas. And it drew inspiration from uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and a poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas. So Tim Burton was fired from Disney in 1984. Doesn't say why. <laughs> he went on to direct... Uh, Beetlejuice, Batman uh, for Warner Brothers. Edward Scissorhands was somewhere around there too. Mm -hmm. So he often thought about this project. And actually in 1990, he found out that Disney still owned the film rights to the movie. By the way, Batman Returns was 92. Batman Forever was 95. So this film was uh, Tim Burton's third consecutive film with a Christmas setting. Interesting. Because I think Edward Scissorhands. Edward, yeah, that was going to be one. I can't think of what the other one would have been. Batman, re I think Batman Returns had a Christmas. Okay, that would have been one the of those. One. It was snowing. Okay, <laughs> so that would have been the one then. Tim Burton, uh, he couldn't direct this movie because of his commitment to Batman Returns, and he didn't want to be involved with the painstakingly slow process of stop motion. Mm. So he had the idea, but he didn't want to be too involved. So there's this guy, Henry Selleck, who directed the movie. So that's interesting because you don't ever hear Henry Selleck associated with this movie. I mean, maybe it's, I'm sure it's printed somewhere, but I don't ever think of this being anything other than a Tim Burton production. <laughs> I know because it says Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. Yeah. So was this guy like compensated accordingly? Did he go on to produce other movies? I direct don't know. other movies? Putting you on the spot here, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is fascinating. I didn't know any of this. So. so another interesting thing is Danny Elfman and Tim Burton created the rough storyline and two-thirds of the film's songs. So Danny Elfman helped him with the storyline, too. Elfman found writing the 11 songs is one of the easiest jobs I've ever had. He said, I had a lot in common with Jack Skellington. Yeah. Yeah, Danny Elfman would, in the documentary, he, he, said, he, he would ask what the next scene was, mm -hmm. I guess, because they hadn't filmed it yet, and he would come up with a song, like, just like that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Because these songs aren't too shabby. No. You know? Well, he's done a lot of great musical scores on mm -hmm. a ton of different films, but... Yeah. Selleck, uh, the director, and his team of animators began production in July 91, uh, they had a crew of over 120 workers, and they utilized 20 sound stages for filming. Wow. Yeah. And at the peak of production, it says 20, the 20 sound stages were used simultaneously for filming. Interesting. So at the same time. That's, that's interesting. 
Uh, in total, there were 1,940 frames. Wow. That means movements, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. Each frame was a movement. And in the documentary, too, they show uh, Jack had, for him to blink, he had different, they actually had to take, put an eye covering in then film it, take it out, put another one in huh. to have him blink. I mean, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Sounds that way. And we're going to go into, I have some things that are kind of not bloopers because you don't really have bloopers with this kind of movie, but, but things that people have noticed. Okay. Because when I watched the documentary, they made it seem like it, it was flawless, but nothing's flawless. Right. Uh, they said if, if a camera bumps something, they had to film the whole scene over again. Wow. You know, if something moved where they didn't know where it was, because while they're filming the scene, they have to, you know, film, move an arm. So if something happened in between, they had already filmed, you know, 100 frames. They had to start over again basically. That's brutal. With animators, with drawing, you can actually go in. Well, now with the computer, you could redraw something right. and plop it in there. Right. But we're talking early 90s here. 93, right? Yeah. Yeah. Much different time. So the film took almost three years to make, and it was 24 frames a second. One minute of film took a week to complete. I believe it. Yeah. Now, also interesting, there was these sets where they had to move the figures, there was a two-foot reach. So where they had to reach farther, there were trap doors. Okay. And I guess someone would reach an arm up <laughs> and, uh, you know, move the character. That's pretty cool. And the director, Selleck, described the production design as akin to a pop-up book. I've heard that before about that movie. At the time, Vincent Price... Donna Michi and James Earl Jones were considered to provide the narration for the film's prologue. However, all proved difficult to cast, and the producers instead hired local vo voice artist Ed Ivory. Patrick Stewart provided the prologue narration for the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So Selleck also said it, it's as though Burton had laid the egg and sat on it and hatched it. So again, he wasn't involved on a hands-on way. He said, it was my job to make it look like a Tim Burton film, which is not so different from my own films. So this guy is, you know, we should look him up. Mm -hmm. Henry Selleck. Mm -hmm. Name sounds familiar. He's probably done some, some big films. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was asked about Burton's involvement. He said, I don't want to take away from Tim, but he was not in San Francisco when we made it. He came up five times over two years and spent no more than eight or ten days in total. Also interesting in the documentary, there were three people that had to hand paint these puppets. Oh, wow. There were 227 puppets. They had 400 heads. So imagine paint, hand painting these. Mm -hmm. But that was their job, you know. So Sally's mouth movements, they were animated through the replacement method. She had a face mask because of her hair, so they didn't really replace her head like they did Jack. Because I guess it would be too difficult, you know, to have all these heads with hair. It was easier just to make a mask that they could pop off and pop on. That makes sense. And she had 10 types of faces. And then also, Jack was also reused in James and the Giant Peach. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what he directed. Henry Selleck directed that. Yeah. Uh, as Captain Jack. I was looking at his movies. There's not a lot there. So the film cost $24 million, And it's made... In its initial run, it made 50. 
So it's it's not great. Right. Uh, it was considered a sleeper hit. I was going to say, I remember, I was very young, but I thought I remember as I, you know, got into like my younger teens that this was more of a cult classic type of movie as opposed to being mm-hmm. a, a huge hit in the theater. Animation's kind of hard with people. I had a, an uncle who hated anything animated. Mm-hmm. I guess we're talking cartoons back then, right, but... right. You know, a lot of adults still watch cartoons and stuff, but my wife and I would go see the Disney films, Lion King, and mm-hmm. I love that stuff. Yep. And I love the process of, you know, hand painting and putting this together and knowing what went into it. Like this movie, what went into it. I mean, you heard us just say that it took uh, a week to do one minute. Right. And this movie, what did I say? 76 minutes or something like that. Yep. So You know, you touched yeah. on something there too. This was kind of the first Disney movie that I remember that wasn't a cartoon. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it oh, seemed yeah. like a step up from that. It, to me, it was almost ahead of its time. I know I've told you that before, but yeah. it's, it still holds up to this day because of how advanced it was and because it's not just a cartoon for, you know, six to ten year olds or whatever the case may be. It's a movie that I think you appreciate it more as you get older yeah. because you can understand it better and you can you know, listen to the facts that you're telling us of what went into it and what they needed mm-hmm. to do yeah. for production to get done. You, you don't appreciate that stuff when you're a kid. You're just watching a movie on the big screen. Yeah. And I don't know if they had, uh, like, I, like I said, I don't know how old this DVD is, but I always like the ones with the extras. Mm-hmm. So you can, like, especially something like this, so you can actually, uh, they filmed uh, while they were making it and for a documentary, but to show you and how many scenes do you think were deleted on top of it? Mm-hmm. You know, so you already have all this time invested in the 76 minutes that saw the big screen. Yeah. How many minutes didn't even get to mm-hmm. the film or are extras that they just determined they couldn't utilize? I'm just baffled that they had, they did draw the storyboards. Now I've seen some of these on eBay. Mm-hmm. They're like, you can get one of the drawings for like 500 bucks. Wow. Right. <laughs> They had to draw everything out, and then it's it just boggles my mind how they knew, like especially the singing. It was not only um, talking, but it was singing, right? And how you knew how a mouth should move. I did see they used some computer on Sally, not in the finished product, but if there was a song, uh, they showed them what mouths in order they had to use. So they were using a computer. To kind of figure out that stuff. Otherwise, you couldn't visualize how a mouth should move for a certain word. You know, computers back then were not nearly as advanced as advanced as they are now. Yeah. So, you know, as you say that, it's easy to kind of forget that that didn't necessarily make it substantially easier like it does today. Oh, yeah. You could just click a button and, you know, your, your mouth is moving or the animatronics mouth is moving, whatever the case may be. Much different time, much different way of using a computer at that time. Yeah. There is one movie. Uh, now I remember that the director directed this movie called... Coraline. That's well, that right. was a Tim Burton. No, that was Henry Selleck. Oh, was it? According to the internet. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. Okay. <laughs> but there was another one called The Fabulous Mr. Fox or something like that. Okay. George Clooney does one of the voices. Okay. And they used the stop animation hmm. on that. I have to see that. I, I wanted to see it when it came out. Probably didn't do well in the 
theater. Because like I said, there, there's only a, a certain group of people I think would go see an animated. Right. You know, I think more people go see, especially in the summer, like action movies. Yep. It, you, know. you know, it's it's tough. We've talked about this before, and I know you, you're notorious for telling me, like, you never know what's going to be a hit. Oh, yeah. The Nightmare Before Christmas, the, the next closest thing that I can think of to that, that was kind of a, a success as far as the animation goes, was A Bug's Life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of anything in between there. There were other successful Disney movies, yeah. Lion King, Toy Story, yeah. stuff like that, but that wasn't the stop. You know, and that was like computer. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying Bugs Life necessarily used that same, you know, stop mm-hmm. motion, whatever yeah. it was to, to, you know, film, but it was more of like an adult based, mm-hmm. not necessarily feeling like a cartoon type of movie. Yeah. Or Ants was maybe another one. <laughs> well, the, the newest one that I'm amazed with is the new Indiana Jones. I just saw the trailer for it where they have scenes with Harrison Ford I guess flashbacks or something mm-hmm. and he's younger, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not taken from the old movies. Right. Halloween did that as well yeah. with Dr. Loomis. I'm amazed at that stuff. And there's always talk of putting in old actors, actors that have passed away in movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that would be creepier, you know, take Marilyn Monroe or mm-hmm. they did that with a commercial years ago. I'm thinking it was Fred Astaire or something, but and they did that with Star Wars where Carrie Fisher passed away, but they still had her in it. They had one of the generals in Star Wars. Was it Christopher Lee? (laughs) Oh, um, it's coming to me. Uh, The hell's his name? It's not Chris. It's Peter Cushing. (laughs) Peter Cushing. Peter, Christopher, they're close. (laughs) They put him in Star Wars. He had had passed away like years before, Mm -hmm. but he was in, in there. So they're getting better with that, with the computer animation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's not like this movie came out and then all of a sudden everybody wanted to do stop animation because it is very difficult. It's very grueling. Like I said, there's hundreds of people working on this movie. You got to pay. And it did cost $24 million. That was 30 years ago. Over the 30 years, it made $91.5 million. And counting. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know if you've been in a store lately but if you go into like a hot topic yeah you'll see jack skellington and sally everywhere well that's what i wanted to get into the marketing uh oh sorry stole your thunder (laughs) so uh disney extensively marketed the film they had uh action figures books games arts crafts Mm -hmm. fashion products they had bendable figures uh and even jack and sally appear in fine art and also Halloween, you know, costumes. Oh, for sure. And also, uh, they are part of Disney, let's see, Dis- various Disneyland theme parks, mm-hmm. particularly during Halloween and Christmas seasons. It says Disneyland has given, Disneyland has given its Haunted Mansion holiday attraction a Nightmare Before Christmas theme for the holiday season. Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party and Mickey's Halloween Party featured film characters. And Jack hosts the Halloween Screams, uh, Hollow Wishes, and Not So Spooky Spectacular fireworks show at Disneyland. He's, I take it, still a character that they use. I've seen pictures within the last couple of years with Jack, uh, Santa Claus, Jack Skellington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like to get one of them. Yes. And he hasn't aged, believe it or not, in 30 years, <laughs> you know, with a lot of these animated characters. They just don't get old. Right. 
So the the soundtrack I have here, which I I got recently, and it's Ooh, pretty cool. It's that is real the cool. picture disc. We got Jack in the Santa suit on yeah. the one side. Yeah. We got lock, stock, and barrel. Barrel. Yeah. We got the mayor. Yeah. And the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, no Oogie Boogie, who's one of the more popular characters typically. Yeah, so this is two two albums. That's really cool. I've never seen that before. What I like though is you can get this. So I got I got this at Walmart. I ordered it. And what I like is it's for two vinyl albums. I mean nowadays you'd pay like fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. It's twenty five ninety five. It's not bad. And then Target has an exclusive. It's purple, and they say yellow. It looks like lime to me. Uh, for twenty four ninety nine. Okay. So if you want the soundtrack, it's good to listen to around this time of year. I don't know if you've listened to it <laughs> any other time. Half is probably, you know, Halloween. Mm-hmm. The other half, you know, Christmas stuff. But all the, you know, characters from the movie singing along. Yeah, you know what's funny is in every Disney movie was like this. They became musicals within the movie, right? Mm-hmm. This, to me, I, I never kind of picked up on that because I was just so entrenched in the story and that, you know, animation, like that different style of animation, that it, it never dawned on me that they were, you know, taking those t- those breaks to do their musical, you know, making it a musical type of movie. It, you know, Aladdin... You, you mm-hmm. knew right away when they're they're breaking into song, The Lion King. They're they're breaking, yeah. You know, Beauty and the Beast, whatever it was. But th- for whatever reason, and maybe it was just again like not being used to this style of animation. You know, I didn't feel that musical aspect of it immediately. I appreciated yeah. all the songs, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like they were stopping to to take that musical break in a sense. I don't know. I consider it sort of a musical. I don't think people look at it as a musical, but it is. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And I never looked at it that way, yeah. but it is. Like singing in the rain, you know, it's a musical, mm-hmm. you know. La La Land, which I love. No. <laughs> I do. This is Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're going to, uh, are you done with your beer over there? Yeah, yeah, I'm empty. Okay, we're going to crack open another one. And then we're going to end it with, I have some things about the movie that people have pointed out. Okay. I know we don't like to do this, probably, but... I'm curious. <laughs> okay, our next beer. It doesn't sound... This doesn't sound good to me. Okay. At all. Okay. Because I don't think butter and beer mm. don't, I think, go together. Okay. Uh, and it's called gooey butter. Yeah, great. So, we're going to crack this open. This looks like a lighter beer. There's probably like a film on top. Maybe a lager, but... It's made with Lando Lakes. It might be a lager. No, I don't think... It's a wheat ale. Oh, there you go. Okay, so later. Oh, before I forget, we have... Jeremy and I, we've got a lot of celebrity friends. I don't think people know that. Right, Jeremy? Right. You know, over the years, we're just good guys. We, We make friends with, you know, everybody. I had some... Some of our friends send in some holiday greetings to us. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So uh, here's the first one. Say a few. Well, they say who they are, too, so we'll see. Okay. Okay, here we go. All right. Hi, Jim and Jeremy. This is your friend Arnold. 
I hear you've been working out this year. Drinking beer. What? Getting ready for the Mr. Universe beer drinking contest. Oh, Hell yeah. Keep up the good work. And most of all, I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs> oh, thank you. That thank was you, Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. The governator. <laughs> Let's see, we have another one here. Former governor. And actually, he's sitting on our desk here. Um, we Star have a Child. Paul Stanley... A Star Child Nutcracker. Absolutely. So Paul Stanley, it, this this one I listened to. It's he's a, he's actually on stage. Yeah. And he yeah, but he mentions us. You got you okay. got to listen, okay? Okay. He's in his rock and roll. Oh. Yeah, we like alcohol, Paul. Oh, yeah. Whoa. There's got to be some people out there that like to drink tequila. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to somebody backstage earlier that said that Jim and Jeremy like to drink vodka and orange juice. What? 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 Oh, cold gin. Wow. That's right. That's cold gin, baby. <laughs> wow. Happy holidays. Nice. All right. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. He was redoing his um, from Kiss Alive one. Oh, nice. I don't know if you know that. Uh, yeah. Where he yells to the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> his voice seems to be getting a little higher. Yeah, for sure. That's the rock and roll voice, you know. Yeah. Oh, I think we have one more. Perfect. <laughs> this is a short one. Oh, he and called him. Wish Jim and Jeremy happy holidays, peace and love, peace and love. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> Thank that you. That was Ringo. Thank you, Ringo. Yeah, he called in on the telephone. Yeah, yeah. He left me a, a voice message. Nice, very nice. So I have some. Uh, this is from Internet Movie Database. Some little flaws in this movie. Did you try your beer? Oh, maybe I didn't. It's interesting. It's the weakest of the four. Yeah, I could smell it before I taste it. Yes, it's very strong smell. It is interesting. I don't taste butter, but it's like super sweet. Yeah. It's not not as good as the snickerdoodle. Not as good as any of the first three we had. Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. Um, this is uh, when Jack's telling the people about Christmas Town. Some of them keep switching places. Uh, the clown with the tearaway face is in the first line at the start, then later in the second line, then back in the first line, only on the other side. The guy with snake fingers goes to the first line, to the second one, and then back again, and the werewolf switches place with the devil. Mm -hmm. And then during uh, Kidnap Mr. Sandy Claus, Shock has black gloves that disappear and reappear throughout the song. <laughs> okay. So this is where they, I guess, didn't really, maybe time constraints. <laughs> right. They didn't want to go back and film the scene. Uh, so as the mayor turns on the reflector light at the town meeting, some bats fly off, scared by the sudden light. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Here you can clearly see the wires that are sus- they are suspended by. Oh yeah, yeah. Never noticed. <laughs> and then when Jack is in Christmas Town, at one part he jumps across the from house to house for about several frames. You can see wires suspending the puppet. Interesting. Okay. Oh, here's character error. Jack doesn't know what snowflakes are. What's this? There's white things in the air, but he knows what snowballs are. Oh my. What's this? <laughs> okay, here's here's one more. Uh, after Jack orders Lock, Shock, and Barrel to kidnap Santa, they immediately set off, and by the very next scene, they are already back with a wrong catch, the Easter Bunny. <laughs> Jack points them then into the right direction, and the trio start their mission anew. However, it takes an inexplicably long time for them to return more than 30 days, in fact. Hmm. Considering they managed to kidnap the real Santa Claus in mere seconds, and how quickly they caught the Easter Bunny earlier. Oh, it shouldn't have taken them so long. I don't know. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Good old internet. And then the last one is Oogie Boogie. He has a snake for a tongue. Mm -hmm. But when uh, there's a scene, uh, the final scene, he is literally a sack full of insects. And there's no snake. Oh, okay. I don't know. I think we're nitpicking now. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Like I said, if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know how you haven't. But, you know, they, it's not one they... It's not like a holiday movie they, they show. And even a lot of the holiday movies now, they stop showing. You mm-hmm. know, like Charlie Brown Christmas, I think it's hard to find. Yep. Christmas Story, you can just turn on TNT, mm-hmm. like Thanksgiving, and it's 24-hour run. Yep. Christmas, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> But this is one of our favorite films, and... This is a great one, and yeah. it went under the radar for a long time. I think now it kind of got a second life in the last 10 to 15 years, but... Well, I'm interested to see uh, next year, you know, if they're going to do anything. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe they have, ex- like you said, extra scenes we haven't seen, um, you know, like a DVD package. Mm-hmm. I, I know they're definitely going to put out something. For the 30th anniversary. I'm sure of it. Yeah. I mean, maybe there'll be a a holiday special, a new one. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, So one other thing before Mm -hmm. we end the uh, podcast here, and I'm not sure when this is going to be released, but we had a pretty big death in the music world yesterday. Oh, yeah. Christine McVie. Yeah. Um, Yeah, from Fleetwood Mac. Absolutely. And I saw that you had been listening to i think i saw you post that you were listening to rumors Mm -hmm. yesterday i also put that on such a great album yes from top to bottom Mm -hmm. and one of the first times i had ever heard it was actually when bill clinton was running for office yeah he used one of the the songs from that album um don't stop yeah, yeah just i thought it was worth bringing up at least on the podcast to you know show some recognition yeah i have the um I got that album probably earlier in the year. Yeah, it's on gold vinyl. I like the, like I said a million times, I like the color vinyl. Uh, remastered. Sounds great, but yeah, it's sad because uh, I never saw Fleetwood Mac in concert. Me uh, I wasn't a huge fan, I, but I, I am a fan. I, I, when a Fleetwood Mac song comes on... Uh, You're singing along with it almost yeah. immediately. Oh, yeah. You know... So many of their songs, whether you realize you know them or not. And I like Stevie Nicks, mm-hmm. and 
I don't know if they, uh, you know, they're getting up there in age, so they, they may not tour anyway. I mean, the last tour, Lindsey Buckingham, <laughs> they kind of fired him. Right. Love, hate with him and hired a guy from a Crowded House. Mm-hmm. And some, they hired someone else. Oh, Mike Campbell. Yes. Yes. There you go. Mike Campbell from uh, Tom Petty, from the Heartbreakers. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's great by himself. But so anyway. I think yeah. it's one of those bands that you look back now and maybe you didn't think, oh, I need to see Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. But now you look back and the opportunity is no longer there and you kind yeah. of wish that you would have seen them at least once. I know I do. The saddest is Tom Petty because I love Tom Petty and I, every year I, we got to go see him. I have all his albums, even his side projects, and that was just devastating to me that I never see Tom Petty. And I listened to his, when I had Sirius Radio, I listened to his show Yeah, he had. David Bowie was another big one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so but, rest in I... peace, Christine McVie. Yeah. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening today. We'll be back in January with our album Roulette, which is... <laughs> uh should be interesting always That's a fun one <laughs> randomly pick three albums from this year and then we'll talk about some albums that we really like so so thanks for listening and we'll you'll hear us again ciao ciao you've been listening to no good music exit music by the band 99%. Today's show was produced and edited by Jim Thatcher and recorded at the Did You Say 7 Studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find No Good Music on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, and almost anywhere you listen to podcasts. Celebrity Impersonations by Jim Thatcher. <laughs>